Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 12th episode of English with Tim, the podcast where you can learn English vocabulary in depth and detail so you can bring your English to the next level. I'm Tim Sexton, a native speaker, teacher, polyglot, world traveler, and author of Words for Numbers, where you can learn hundreds of words that are useful for talking about data or business or IELTS Task 1 academic writing. This week, I am going to tell you about my trip to Dhaka, the capital of Bangladesh, for two weeks, one at the end of 2022 and the other at the beginning of 2023. So I'm going to do this with just a, a pretty straightforward question and answer format. Um, questions are my own. Um, so where did I live? Um, I lived in the house of my um, brother and his wife and uh, their their baby, who's um, just turned two, actually, um, a couple days ago. But at that time, he was like one and a half. Um, the house, well, it was actually an apartment um, in the um, diplomatic quarter. And in the diplomatic quarter, um, you know, the buildings um, tend, to be, tend to be five or six stories high. Um, there are a lot of trees, palm trees um, everywhere, and there's a lot of uh, bushes and things um, growing, and there's, you know, just stuff growing up out of the sidewalk, cracks in the sidewalk everywhere. There's plants, but um, the, the apartment itself, you know, it had this, it was, it was in a walled compound, um, and it was up on, I, as I recall, the fifth floor. It was a really nice place, um, and it had several large rooms and a nice view outside. There was a nice park nearby. Um, that was, you know, it was about 10 minutes away, and we would frequently go there with um, uh, with my nephew, my little nephew, and had a great time with him. And um, I do need, the reason I, I put this first, uh, this question about where I lived first, was because um, it did kind of limit my experience. You know, I, I wasn't living among the people. This was not an Airbnb stay or something, or um, me um, offering to rent an apartment or asking to rent an apartment room from someone off the street. This was, you know, in a part of the city that is kind of separate and very different from um, the rest of the city and how most people live. So it limited me, but, um, you know, that's, that's what I had. Um, so what was it like generally? Like I, um, I mentioned a little bit, there are plants everywhere while wow, there's just palm trees and grass and, um, flowers and, uh, just all kinds of green stuff just growing up, you know, anywhere you look, any place that has a chance, um, any place where there's a chance for green stuff to start growing, it's going to start, start coming up out of the ground. Um, there's infrastructure everywhere. Um, the, uh, the, you can see a lot of like very dense, low price apartments. Um, these might go up to, you know, 25 or 30 stories high. Um, parts of them are unfinished. Um, and they look pretty small from the outside. I did not get a chance to go inside of one. This is one thing about traveling like this as a, as a real outsider. You know, if you're, if, if I travel to a place like Moldova or Poland or someplace like that, um, I look like the people around me and, um, it, there's a less, a little bit less of a barrier. Also, I speak the languages there and it makes a less of a barrier between me and the people. Um, I would really like to go back though. And, and, you know, it takes time if you're in a place like this to, um, to get involved or get uh, closer to the people a little bit. But yeah, there, so you had these apartments, which I was unfortunately not able to visit. Um, then you have government buildings and you'd see random markets, you know, you'd, you'd turn a corner and then suddenly you're in a, you know, a green grocer's market, and they're selling fruits and vegetables and meat and stuff, and there's chickens and, um, 
that they're going to, you know, um, make meat out of and just all kinds of things everywhere, wherever you, wherever you go. Um, and you know, at the, at the base of these buildings, um, these apartment buildings, um, you've got small businesses, um, you know, they could be pharmacies, they could be selling clothes, they could be repairing, um, repairing cars and things like this, uh, just all kinds of businesses. Um, you know, the zoning is not super strict where, you know, in this part of the city, one does this. And in this part, it's all kinds of stuff, just everywhere. Everywhere. Um, there's a lot of canals in the city. Um, there are a lot of footbridges, and they actually go pretty high often above the, the street. I'm not quite sure why that is. Um, in one part of the city, there's an, an, ele- an elevated um, kind of bridge that um, is high above the roads, I guess, to avoid traffic. Um, there are lots of odd and really surprising sights. I mean, the whole time I was there, it was just so stimulating and <laughs> Um, you know, I've spent a lot of time in places that I'm really familiar with. So it was really refreshing to go to a place where I really had no idea what was happening. Um, you know, some, here's some, a few random things that I saw. Um, one time we were in the, um, the car, um, my brother and his wife have a driver. We were in this car, um, driving along this, um, six lane road and, you know, there's on the street, there are cars and there are buses and there are bicycles and rickshaws. And, um, there's a woman, um, you know, riding a rickshaw. She was piloting it, if you will. And at one point she just stuck out her tongue and her tongue was very orange and I just didn't know what to think of that. It was, it was just a surprising moment. Um, when I was on my way to the airport to leave the country, um, I was in a taxi, and um, in front of me was um, a, another taxi with an advertisement painted on the back of it. Um, you might know from advertisements um, the Michelin Man, you know, Michelin, the French uh, brand of tires. And the Michelin Man is this kind of person made out of tires that are stacked up, and he looks like a big, strong, tough guy. Well, on the back of this car, um, or this taxi, there was a painting or a little picture of something like the Michelin Man, but instead of tires, he was made out of slices of milk. And it said in English, milk power. And this kind of milk ghost was rising out of a loaf of bread within it really did evoke a lot of power and strength it was really a bizarre sight um there is a fair amount of trash on the streets and what was interesting about it was that you know when you're in a um a country that you're really familiar with especially the one where you were born and grew up you know you see one piece of paper or something on the ground and um you know what it is you see a coke bottle or you see a marlboro wrapper and, you know, you know what it is, and you have all these associations that go with it. You know, you know, the, the Marlboro man, the, the cowboy on the back of the horse, and so on. Um, and there, the advertisements for, were for, you know, first you couldn't read the language. I couldn't read their language. Um, they're for products you've never heard of, and just, there's kind of small pieces of things, like, everywhere. Um, and it just, it, it really underlined the the kind of confusion, which I liked, the positive confusion of, you know, what what am I even looking at? Um, and it was kind of a, a very frequent presence. Um, there are a lot of um, different types of buildings that are right next to each other. That was another thing that was constantly gave this feeling of just being in a place. In French, there's a word, uh, dépaysé. And if you're dépaysé, it means you're just completely outside of um, the place where you're used to being. And, um, you know, I, I really liked that. Um, 
there are a lot of different types of buildings, like I said, right next to each other. Um, really tall ones, shorter ones. Um, you had glass offices and then, you know, buildings whose purpose you weren't really sure about. Um, and um, sometimes you could see into the offices. Sometimes you couldn't. They were generally made out of glass. Um, and, you know, you'd have traffic circles and uh, traffic dividers going down the middle of the street and people trying to cross the street in this very heavy traffic. Um, and the place was absolutely full of people. Oh, my gosh. I've, I've never been in a place as densely populated as this. I was in um, uh, Bangkok in maybe 2001. Um, and that was the only place I've ever been to that could maybe rival um, or, or at least just be in the same category as Dhaka in terms of population density. Um, so um, some other questions. How big is the country? Um, this is a really interesting question. So um, it's about as big as the U.S. state of Wisconsin in surface area, but its population rank is between Russia and Brazil. So it is absolutely insanely dense. I mean, you're walking down the street and there are people next to you in front of you. And that's not to say that the whole place is completely full of people and, you know, walking like a, a bunch of Roman soldiers, you know, right next to each other. No, it's, um, there are places where there's uh, free space and you can, you know, stretch your legs out or sit down on the ground and uh, in the grass and have a little picnic or something. Um, but when there are people around, there tend to be very, very large numbers of them. Um, how big is the city? So there are 10 million people in the city proper, and there are um, 23 million people in the, the metropolitan area. Um, and it has grown in the past several years, according to what I've read, by about three quarters of a million people each year. Um, so what language is spoken in Bangladesh? Um, the main language is Bangla, and it is um, in the... Well, it is in the same family of languages, actually, as English and Spanish and Polish and Russian and Czech and Greek and so on. There's a very big family, and um, it is, you know, similar to Hindi. It, from what I understand, it is not mut mutually intelligible. If you know Hindi, you're not going to understand Bangla. And if you know Bangla but don't know Hindi, you're not going to understand it just because you know Bangla. Um, it's written with a um, similar script to Hindi. Um, and, um, so what do the people look like? Next question. What do the people look like? Um, actually there's kind of a mix of appearances. Um, a lot of the people, um, you know, if you might think that you were in India looking around, a lot of the people look like they're Indian. Um, which means what I mean by that is that people have kind of a, actually kind of European facial features, like the shapes of the heads and faces and the, you know, the eyes and so on. It's, it, they look kind of European, but with different hair color and different skin color. Um, there were also, um, some Dravidian people, what I imagine Dravidian people look like. So Dravidian people are, um, the people that lived in India before, um, the, Indo-Aryans came um, from the northwest and invaded the country. You know, this is several thousand years ago. So originally, um, there were um, some what are now, you know, um, aboriginal groups um, in India. Um, and then afterwards, those people were displaced largely by Dravidians, who have a, a darker appearance. They have darker hair and darker skin than, um, than Indians do. Um, than, well, not than Indians, because they are also Indians, but um, than um, the larger population group in India. Um, so you, 
have this um, mix of people also in Bangladesh, which looks similar to the people in India. You have people who have kind of Euro- somewhat European um, facial features, but with different um, color hair and skin. And then you've got um, uh, Dravidian people who are darker. Um, you also can see some people who look um, like they're maybe from, from Southeast Asia. You're starting to just get the, a few, some people who have this kind of Southeast Asian or, or appearance of people from Burma. Um, and the people, um, many of the people, not all of them, but, um, you could often see people who were very short. Um, and, uh, what industries are in Dhaka? So, um, the two that come to mind are brick making, um, and textiles. So brick making, um, this is necessary because the country's building a lot of stuff. You know, they're building apartment buildings and houses and stuff. Um, the downside of it is that it creates a huge, huge amount of air pollution. So, um, you know, you might see on your phone that the pollution, a pollution warning um, in some cities, and it would say, you know, it's a hundred. This is really a bad, bad day for pollu- air pollution. And in Dhaka, there were days when it actually went went over five hundred just really, really bad, um, conditions. And sometimes you could hear people coughing and it just sounded really bad. It was quite sad. Um, and there were also textiles. The other industry is textiles, which Bangladesh is, is famous for, you know, it, um, I don't know, you know, depending on where you're from and where you're listening to this, you know, you might go into a store, clothing store and, um, look at a shirt or a jacket or something and inside it, you know, it might say made in Bangladesh. That's certainly true here in the United States where I am right now. Um, and, um, you know, as you drive around the city in certain parts of the city, especially you'll see people on, you know, open up the, the back door of a, a very big truck and inside it just stacked from bottom to top with, you know, all different colors and types of fabrics, really beautiful, colorful stuff. Um, and actually my younger brother and I, we went and, um, we got me a suit, um, that was really cool. Um, so that's another thing about Bangladesh is when you're walking down the street, um, you often see people who are very, very smartly dressed. Um, and I can't say about women because I don't know, women wore more traditional dress than they did, um, you know, European style clothing. Um, and with men, you'd occasionally see men in suits and some of them were just very, very sharply cut, very fashionable with really uh, cool looking shoes. I was a little bit jealous actually. Um, but we got a suit for me. Um, it was a very nice, um, kind of vibrant cobalt or blue color, um, with some, a little bit of green in it. Um, and we, you know, we went to a store, um, you know, a tailor shop and, um, I got measured, they measured my shoulders and everything. And they knew enough English to communicate with me, um, on these topics. And, you know, three or four day, days later we went back and I tried the thing on and it just looked super, super sharp. Um, so what places did I, did I visit and what did I eat? So, um, one place was, um, the military museum. Um, we drove past this place several times and just, you know, didn't go in and didn't go in and didn't go in. And then I said, come on, let's, let's do it. So we went there and, um, we were standing in line outside and we got to talking with, um, a soldier who was, you know, a guard there and he knew a little bit of English. And, um, this is a feeling that I don't really get very often, you know, 
because I tend to travel to places that I've been to um, many times or even lived in for a long time. Um, so I don't get this feeling of, you know, oh, I'm meeting this person and it's we're going to talk about, you know, my life and your life. And um, he was really open, friendly guy. And he um, you know, was telling us about his life as a soldier and how he was trying to, to learn English and so on. And he was it, we might have been the first person that he had, um, or first native speakers of English that he had practiced with. So there was really a feeling of freshness about it, which was really cool. Um, so the military museum itself, this was the most, um, th this was the newest and um, probably most expensive building um, besides like, you know, the seats of government, you know, like the executive branch of the government. Um the building was quite new. It was a lot of stainless steel and glass. It was several floors. There were, you know, aircraft hanging from the museum, from the museum ceiling. Um, there were aircraft outside. There were tanks and things. And you know, under when you go um, on the, the into the basement, um, you know, you look at the navy and you look at submarines and other boats and things. Um, and so the military is actually a really, probably the most, from my impression, is the most um, respected institution in the country. And it's always interesting to go to a country and see which, just, you know, at random without really planning to, seeing which person or institution um, is the most respected. I remember being in um, in Serbia, um, in Belgrade, and going to the tomb of um, of uh, of Tito, and just seeing how it was very very well kept, and that this was probably the best kept building in the city. There was a kind of a similar feeling here, although it was much much larger, um, and. Uh, yeah, you could feel the the prestige of the military there. That this was a really important institution, and that brings me to the um, a place that we actually visited before um, the military museum, which is Genocide Museum. So, um, until 1947, um, Bangladesh and what's now Bangladesh, what's now India, and what's now Pakistan um, were all you know under um, British control, and. Um, in 1947, you know, they broke away from Britain successfully and declared their independence, and then Pakistan became a separate country, and there was West Pakistan and East Pakistan, um, and that continued for, um, you know, a couple decades um, until 1971 when, um, well, getting a little bit ahead of myself, so um, West Pakistan um, tried to control um, East Pakistan, and... Uh, this was not appreciated. For example, West Pakistan wanted um, Urdu, the language of main language of Pakistan, to be the the main or state language also of Bangladesh, which people there did not want. Um, and in 1971, there was a very big storm, and it damaged and you know a lot of property and and you know killed a lot of people in Bangladesh, uh, what's now Bangladesh at that time, East Pakistan, and the um, West Pakistani government didn't do really much to help. And this really sparked a lot of anger, and it turned into fighting. And um, Pakistan, what you know, West Pakistan, um, committed a lot of atrocities there and killed um, a lot of local people, including teachers and writers and things. Um, so there's a big museum dedicated to the um, to the liberation fight. Um, so this is, this is a country that you know has gone through two. Um, liberation struggles, one from um, from Britain and the other from um, from Pakistan. So, um, in the second one, you know, the military played a really key role, um, and 
so the military is, is a really respected institution. I remember also driving along the same road where you're going towards the, uh, the military museum and there's a big air force base and it says in English, we're, we're always ready. Um, and English text actually is not very common in Bangladesh. Um, we also went to <clears throat> the pink palace, which is, um, what it sounds like. It's a big pink palace. Um, and it has a kind of a mix of, um, Mughal style architecture, which, you know, Mughal of the, the most famous Mughal building is the Taj Mahal. Um, of course this place is not as, as huge and, and amazing and so on. It's a, a smaller building, but it's a mix of that Mughal style, um, with some curves and interesting shapes in it and a more Western style. But the coolest thing about it is this really striking bright pink about it. Um, and we could not go inside because it was closed. It's actually been turned into a museum. Um, but yeah, that was one of the places we went. Afterwards, um, we went to the, the Lalbagh Fort. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, that is a fort from Mughal times. Um, and, you know, just a big walled-in structure, and there is a mausoleum um, dedicated to um, the young daughter um, of one of the rulers there who died when she was, you know, quite young. And, um, yeah, there was that fort, and after that, okay, so this brings me to how we got around the city. How did we get around? Um, I think, as you've heard, the traffic was, wow. There was a lot of traffic, which doesn't mean that you spend a lot of time in traffic jams, you know, sitting there doing nothing. There was movement, but there was a lot of movement. Sometimes you were stopped, sometimes you weren't. You probably weren't going to get someplace super, super fast. Um, but um, there are different ways to get around. So often we'd, um, you know, go with a driver that my uh, brother and his wife had hired, um, and he was always ready for us. Really nice guy. Um, also, there were buses. Um, we did not use the buses because, you know, we had the driver, um, and these buses, wow, they were kind of, they're quite impressive, actually. Um, they look like they had been painted with house paint, and they're quite large, and kind of the outside of them, the shell of them looked like it was a little bit bigger than it needed to be. They looked kind of like something out of a Mad Max movie, like these vehicles that will just survive anything. They're very loud, um, and they're painted with, with colorful advertisements that, of course, we didn't understand. And they were, you could see lots of layers of color. You know, you could see that these things had, had rubbed and scraped up against other vehicles a lot, and that, um, you know, nobody really cared that they were, you know, scratched up. And it gave them a kind of a battle-ready appearance. Um, and we also, um, we got around on rickshaws at times, um, and there were people riding bicycles and the rickshaws, well, I'm a bicycle guy. And when I looked at these rickshaws, um, it was pretty interesting because, you know, they have three wheels and they appeared to be made out of just pipes, not tubing, like, you know, that's specific to a bicycle. It looked like, um, heavy pipes that water would go through and it had been welded together. Um, and these rickshaw drivers were very, um, very slim and very strong and they would always wear flip-flops. Um, it looked like a very tough job, you know, so we'd give them a, a pretty good tip after we, after we drove with them. And so after we went to this Lalbagh Fort, which actually had a pretty long line, as I recall, it was a Sunday, which, no, it was a, no, it was a Saturday, so it was a day off, um, and um, there was a long line to get in, so we were hungry when it was finished, and we had been, um, we'd gotten a suggestion that we should go to this place that serves biryani. So biryani is a local dish, um, 
it's rice and um, pieces of meat mixed in, kind of like rice pilaf. Um, and the rice was whole grain. So, you know, we got on this rickshaw and it was, wow, it was a, you know, crazy ride. Um, cause it's, there's not quite enough space for two people. I mean, you can do it. Uh, and many pe- people do it in fact all the time, but if you're used to driving in a car, sitting in the backseat of a car or something, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> there's not enough space if that's your definition of enough space. So, um, you know, we're going at quite a fast speed and the, the, these, um, drivers would you know they as they push the pedals they're shifting their weight from one leg to the other in a really dramatic way because they're pulling a lot of weight um and you know there's wires hanging down off the sides um, of the buildings and they're white the 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 outside of the wire had kind of you know white plastic sheath or protection on it and the white had you know kind of turned uh very gray from being outside for a long time and there's extra wires and wires tied up and you know people going um in what looks like the wrong direction and it's it's easy to get lost you i mean you would not if you don't have a google maps or something and even if you do this would not be a place you'd want to just you know walk around in not not because it's dangerous but because it's just really easy to get lost because the the orientation points are so different from what you're used to if you know or who knows, maybe you've already been there. But for me, it was a place where I, I kept pretty close to my younger brother's side because he knew the place a lot better than me. Um, yeah, so we went through this um, really dramatic ride and on the, the rickshaw and we got to the biryani place and it was really good. Um, and it had been there since the 1930s, which for us is, you know, kind of old, but, you know, by world standards, obviously not. Um and, you know, we would, we ate with our hands, which was really, um, you know, for me is a really unusual thing. I've done that a couple times, but to, um, sit down and just, you know, put my hand into a, you know, um, some rice peel off and put it in my mouth with my hand was a little bit unusual. Um, and, uh, then afterwards, what, what else did we eat? We also ate, um, something called fuchka. So we went to an embassy, um, related party. It wasn't the embassy's party, but there were embassy personnel, U.S. embassy personnel there. And I think some people from a couple other countries, um, and we made fuchka. Fuchka is, a, um, really interesting little thing. It's, um, like a white, or it's a kind of a, a light brown, very light brown, um, circle, and it's made out of, uh, I think it's made out of wheat. And when you throw it into boiling oil, um, you realize that um, this disc of, of wheat um, actually has kind of a cut in the middle of it. And it starts to puff up or swell up. And it creates a, it changes, completely changes shape into um, like a spherical shape, like a ball. And when that happens, you take it out of the boiling oil and you hit it with a spoon to make a hole in it, and then you fill it up with stuff. Um, It could be chickpeas, it could be other vegetables, there's different sauces you could put it in, and um, it was just really, really tasty. Um, So, that is really um, my time in, oh, I forgot one thing, Um, the Armenian church. This was a really interesting experience. So, um we went to this Armenian church on the same trip that same day with a biryani in the Lalbakh fort. And, um, it was unusual because, you know, you're in this place that's very, very different from what you're used to. And where I'm from, you know, the churches are Catholic or they're Protestant and, um, Armenian Orthodox. There are, you know, Orthodox churches, but that's not super common. So, um, you know, we went into this, um, Armenian church, which was, you know, was painted white and um, even though it was rather different from, you know, what I'm used to seeing, 
um, there still was a feeling of, oh, we've just stepped into um, another another different cultural zone. I had that feeling a little bit one time in Bosnia, um, or could have had it, rather. I um, was in Mostar in the south of the country, and um, you know, it looks, uh, kind of Turkish. They're part, like the center of the city, the old town is Turkish, um, in style. But when you go a little bit farther across the river, um, you see that, um, the other part of the city is Croatian and it's Catholic and you see a Catholic church and there's this feeling of, oh, you cross the street and suddenly, oh, I, I feel like I'm home. I could cross back and I feel less like, you know, feel a lot less at home. Um, and it was a similar thing there. You know, we crossed into there, uh, into the church territory, which had a wall around it. And there were a lot of graves. And as we looked at the graves, um, they, you know, they were flat on the ground, a little bit raised above the ground, actually. Um, and they had names of various people, Europeans from the 19th century and uh, 20th century. And... Um, of many different nationalities. So it looked like it was maybe um, the only Christian church in the city, so people of different um, Christian denominations um, would all go there. And we took a look inside of the church, and, you know, we went in the bell tower, and um, the guy who was running it was local. Um, and, yeah, that was a really interesting part of the trip, too, to go into that church and then come back out of it. Um and go back into Bangladesh. Um, of course, it's part of Bangladesh, but nonetheless, it, you know, you could feel that kind of difference. But um, yeah, that was my trip to Bangladesh, and thank you for listening, and we will, um, I'll be back next week, next Monday.